Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. All right. Um, good morning to everyone here. I hope you guys are all well. And uh, if I don't know you yet, my name is Graham. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. And I uh, want to welcome you all to uh, to Zoom Church here. Um, as, as Dylan mentioned before, during this time, uh, we'd love it if you have your cameras on, if that's a possibility for you. And uh, just a reminder to have your mics muted during the, the sermon and worship. And uh, that'll... that'll make our, our time together a little smoother. So um, I'd also like uh, to invite you guys to, to interact with one another uh, by commenting in the chat if uh, if that's something like you're encouraged uh, by something during the sermon or, or something stands out to you. Um, yeah, type it in the chat and, and uh, we'd love to hear from you that way. Um, and in fact, that's what we're going to start by doing is, is by uh, getting, getting the chat going here. So in uh, the chat to start off, I'd love to hear where many, many of you would consider home. All right, where, where do you consider home? So you can comment in the chat where you consider home to be. Um, I know some of us were born here. Many of us come from different places uh, around the world, but no matter where you're from, I'm curious as to where you call home. So go ahead, you can type that in the chat and uh, yeah. Um, as you guys do that, um, some of you might know this, but I, uh, I grew up in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, that's where I've lived most of my life. And, but, uh, I'm honestly, I'm not sure if that's where I would consider home anymore. Um, I don't know, but, uh, whenever I go back, like it's really good to, to visit family, um, all of that, it, it, like being, being there, it's, it's a really good time for me. Um, but as soon as I've been there for long enough, I really start like missing being here with the people that I've developed relationships with for over like the past seven years. Um, living here, I've grown accustomed to eating really well. Like there's uh, a lot of good restaurants, uh, in pretty much like every neighborhood in this city. And so while there's a lot of good places to, to eat back in Winnipeg, they are few compared to living here. Often when I go back as well, um, a lot of the city has changed over time and there's, uh, uh, there are new things that I'm not as familiar with. So, um, new, new, like restaurants, new, new places that I just don't even know. And sometimes it's, it's hard to recognize. And in addition, um, right before Melissa and I moved to come live here in Montreal, um, my parents had sold the home that I grew up in and they moved into another neighborhood. And so when I visit the home that they live in now, uh, it doesn't have like that same sentimental value of the home that I grew up in. And so today, uh, it's a little bit about what we're talking about. Today, we're talking about being away from home in another sense. We're talking about being exiled from our homes. And this idea of being exiled is a, is a consistent theme that we see throughout scripture. And it describes individuals or whole people groups that are at times being forced out of their homes into foreign lands away from the familiar. So they're alienated from their foreign lives. 
And so I wonder if you've ever felt alienated, if you ever felt like you you didn't belong or that um, even if, even just seeing the brokenness of this world and you think to yourself, you know, this isn't how life should be. This is not how home should look like. Um, in a sense, today, we're even even right now we're in a bit of exile right we're meeting online here on zoom because we don't exactly have a home to go to we are unable to meet um, in person due to these covid restrictions and so we're living right now in a broken time where there's the disease and death and imperfect governments and we are far from the perfect home that we desire to live in and so we are very much today uh, living like exiles and so that's what we're doing today is we're beginning this new series and we've called it exiles and we're exploring the books of first and second peter uh, so these books they've been written by peter and peter was one of jesus's disciples so he witnessed firsthand the life of jesus so the the teachings that he did his miracles and even his death on the cross and Peter mentions in chapter one, so th this is from chapter one, he, he mentions that he's writing to elect exiles in the dispersion. He says in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so he's writing to Christians who have been dispersed all throughout these areas, which uh, today are, we would know as modern day Turkey. Uh, this letter that he wrote, it was likely given to one church to read, and then it would be circulated around to these other churches. So it's kind of like uh, the old way of like forwarding a message to someone. Um, and also these people they that he's writing to, we, we see that they're called exiles, right? So they have been dispersed throughout this reason, uh, sorry, region, likely due to religious persecution and so they're away from their homes and so again this is why we've titled this series exiles as we're going to explore what it looks like to live faithful lives in a world that is not our own um, i mentioned that this idea of of being in an exile is a common theme throughout scripture and in fact uh this happens in the very first book of the bible the the very the, the the third chapter of the whole bible in genesis um what we read is that god creates the world he creates everything in the universe and he makes humans and he places them in a garden right so the garden that's their home it's the place where they have communion with god and they have access to his presence and are living peaceably there in the garden with god um what we see though in chapter three is that they sin against god and they are kicked out of this garden so they're no longer able to be in close communion with god because of their sin uh, because of they they broke their relationship with god and so they're exiled out of his presence and out of their home in the garden Later, we see this, this theme of exile reoccur as the Israelites, they enter the land that God promised them. So after they've been wandering around in the, in the desert without a home, God brings them into the land, giving them a new home in Canaan. 
and they live there for some time. However, because they break their covenant with God, they are eventually exiled by the Babylonians, and they're forced from their home to live under another government's rule in a new land. Uh, you can read about this a little bit more in the book of Daniel, and you see in that book how the Israelites lived um, under another government's rule, but obeyed God in the midst of, that, of, of all things there. And so that's what we see is we see that throughout the Bible, God's people at different times have been taken away from their homes and they've been forced to live in exile away from their home and under the rule of another government. However, what we also see is that this idea of exile, it applies more broadly to all of us as believers. So whether or not we've been forced out of our homes uh, here on the earth, the idea is that we belong to a heavenly kingdom where God rules and reigns and we serve him when the world around us does not. And so we are, are not fully in that place in that heavenly home. Right? No matter where we live, we are under an imperfect earthly rule. And so, in a sense, we are in exile. Um, there's this guy, uh, his name's Tim Mackey. Um, he does stuff with this uh, website called the, the Bible Project. And he says it this way. He says, in, he says, in the Hebrew scriptures, Israel's Babylonian exile became an image of something more universal. He says, it's that feeling of alienation and longing for something more, no matter where you live. So as followers of Christ, when we see the effects of sin around us, we should become aware that ultimately we do not belong to this world. We belong to the kingdom of God and we long for the return of Jesus so that we can live under his rule forever. Um, but for now, uh, we have this book from Peter that helps us to live faithful lives while we are in this exile. And so that is a little bit about what this series is about. Um, as we get into our sermon, the main thing that I want us to see from our text is this. Is though we face trials, we rejoice because our hope is in heaven. Though we face trials, we rejoice because our hope is in heaven. Um, we're going to read our text. Um, I'm going to share my screen with everyone here, and I will uh, put the scripture on, on the screen, and we can read it together. Uh, so we're going to be in First uh, Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 to 9. So let me just pull that up here. Um... Here we go. Uh, give me a thumbs up if you can see that. Uh, I can only hear you, Dad. <laughs> Skylar thinks I'm talking to her. She says, I can only hear you, Dad. Um, here's what it says. It says, uh, it says, to those, uh, no, I'm sorry, here we go. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, Let's pray and uh, we will get into our text for today. Um, God, we thank you uh, that we are able to be here uh, today and to um, hear your word preached and, and yeah, read, read your, your scripture. Um, and we just ask that it would work in our hearts. Um, God, we ask that you would be, uh, the most important thing in our lives. Um, and as living as, as exiles, we would, we, we long to see how we can live, uh, according to your will and to honor you in all that we do. Um, may we re- be people that rejoice in the trials that you put in our lives and that you would use it to refine our faith so we would um, just praise you and give you glory and honor and um, yeah, help us to have hope in the, her- in the inheritance that we have in heaven. Uh, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, lost my screen here. Just let me pull it up for a second. Alright, um, so we're going to unpack this uh, today. So I want uh, to break this up into a few sections for us, and, and these sections are going to help us to see what life as exiled believers look like. So um, a couple kind of sub-points for us for today. So this is what I want us to see. Uh, so number one, exiled believers are born to a living hope and an inheritance. Exiled believers are born to a living hope and an inheritance. Number two, exiled believers rejoice in their trials. So exiled believers rejoice in their tri- their trials. And number three, exiled believers have faith in the unseen. So let's look at this first point here. Exiled believers are born to a living hope and an inheritance. So uh, Peter, he introduces himself uh, and his audience in the first couple of verses here, um, which a side note is a great way of doing things, right? Um, Right in, in our lives, like we have to like scroll to the bottom of an email to like find out who it's from. And I don't really like that. Like, why should I have to scroll to the bottom of this email to see who sent it to me if I don't recognize their email address, right? Just tell me who it's from right away. Um, 
anyways, that's not important. Um, but in, in verses, in verse three, he kind of gets into the bulk of this letter to, uh, these people, right? Um, I'll read it again for us. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let's talk about this phrase born again for a minute. What do we mean when we say born again? That's a kind of a common phrase around Christianity. Um, but if you're not a Christian, you may have heard of that term before, um, but it may sound a little bit weird or unusual, and there may be some st stigma attached to that term, being a born again Christian. I remember I had a friend in university, and she knew I was a pastor, and she was talking to, to, to me about uh, questions. She was asking me these questions related to Christianity, and she said to me this, she said, what does it mean to be born again? She said, what, what's a born again Christian? As if there was different kinds of, like, like another kind of Christian that's not a born again Christian. Um, but it is a good question, right? This question is even asked in the Bible. Right? So there's a man named Nicodemus, and he has this question when he's talking to Jesus in John chapter 3. So I'm going to read a little bit from that passage. This is John 3, and it begins in verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can, a, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And that's an excellent question. What are you talking about here, Jesus, right? Um, but if we look at Jesus' response here, this is what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So what we see here is that being born again is intricately tied to having God's spirit inside of you. But that's what Jesus says here. He says, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must have God's spirit inside of you. That is what it is to be born again. And um, I love the, the analogy that he uses here. So he likens it to wind, which might sound unusual. Um, this is what he says. <coughs> Excuse me. He says this, he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And um, I recently found out that this is exactly how the spirit is described elsewhere in the Bible, right? So in the Old Testament, uh, we see on the first page of the Bible, as God creates the world, we see his spirit is hovering over the waters. Uh, that word for spirit I learned is pronounced ruach. Uh, Skylar and I have been learning this from the Bible project this month. And it's the same word that the ancient writers used for both wind and for breath. 
Okay, for wind and for breath. So the picture that we get is that God's spirit is like these things in some way. It's like wind and breath. So it is this invisible force, like wind, that moves things at its will. So just like God's spirit, and and just like God's spirit moves us towards his will. Um, also, it is like breath. So just like we are, when we are born, we take our first breath of life, um, uh, we have breath in our lungs that gives us life. And being born again means that we have the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit producing spiritual life in us. Um, this, this Spirit sustains us and it sanctifies us to be more like Jesus, the image of God which we are created to be. And that is the new life that we have. And so this, this is what it means to be born again, to have God's Spirit in us. So Peter... He tells us that we were born again, meaning that we have new life through the Spirit of God inside of us. But then he continues to say that we are born again too. We are born again to a living hope. And he says that this happens through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So because God caused Jesus to be raised from the dead, those who put their faith in Jesus now have a living hope, that being that, that being that God will raise us from the dead too. So our, our living hope is that Jesus has been raised from the dead and that we will be raised from the dead too. So this is a living hope because it says, God, you raised Jesus from the dead. And when you did, you defeated death and sin, and they know they have no more power anymore. And the proof is that Jesus is alive. And so our hope, our living hope, is that by faith in him, he will also raise us from the dead. Um, if we remember, Peter is writing here to exiles, those who have lost their homes and are facing various trials. Some may even be persecuted for their faith. And his reminder is to put your hope in heaven. Look to that living hope that even in the most difficult times, remind yourself that God defeated death itself and he raised Jesus from the dead. And one day you will be raised from the dead too. And, and be given a, a new life, living hope. So though we face various trials, we rejoice because our hope is in heaven. Uh, so not only is our hope in having new life, it is also that when we get that new life, there is an inheritance waiting for us. He says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. So we need to ask ourselves, what is this inheritance? And Peter tells us that this inheritance has, uh, has three things. It is imperishable, it is undefiled, and it is unfading. Uh, we know that any inheritance that we receive on this side of eternity is not like that, though, right? If I inherit anything from my family, um, it perishes, it fades away, it is not everlasting. But what we receive from God the Father will never fade away, it is eternal. And when Jesus returns, we will enjoy all of God's creation in eternity with him forever. And that is what our hope is in. That is our inheritance, to be with God and to enjoy the things of his world forever. Our hope is in heaven. 
Jesus, um, he shares with us a similar sentiment in Matthew 6. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so this, uh, this applies uh, to our future life in eternity, but it also applies now as we set our eyes not on the things of this world, but the things in heaven. Again, Paul writes this in, in Colossians. He says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are, that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So, when we, so we set our, our hope on our inheritance in heaven when we live for it here on earth. Right? Let me say that again. We set our hope on our inheritance in heaven when we live for it here on earth. And that means delighting in God's rule. It means seeking his will above our own. It means looking to him for how to live rather than the world. These things are eternal. Right? Everything else is temporary. So we can live for our future inheritance now as we seek things that are eternal. Though, though we face trials, we rejoice because our hope is in heaven. So we see uh, one, exiled believers are born to a living hope and an inheritance. The next thing we see is that we will rejoice in trials. Uh, here's what Peter says. He says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The, the obvious question here is, how is that even possible? Right? Like, what sense does this make to rejoice in our trials? Uh, but Peter explains that we can rejoice because of the encouragement that he previously wrote. Right? He says, in this, rejoice. In what? That we have a living hope. In other words, God is alive and his spirit lives in us. And we have an inheritance that he is being, that, that he is, uh, is keeping for us in heaven and that God is keeping us for it. Therefore, we can rejoice looking towards that hope. We rejoice because our hope is in heaven. And he goes on to explain uh, the trials that we face. He says that th these are meant to refine us. More specifically, they're meant to refine our faith. And he likens it to the refining of gold by fire. So just as, as gold is tested by fire, our faith is tested by trials. So um, what, what would be the purpose of testing gold? Right? With gold, you test it in order to remove its impurities. When you, when you put gold in the fire, you are burning off all the bad so that you have a truly pure product. And so likewise, with our faith, trials are meant to remove the impurities. Trials in our lives are not meant to discourage or defeat us. In fact, rather the opposite. They are meant to test the parts of us that are impure so that we can see them and by God's grace, we can put them to, de to death, resulting in pure faith. Um, so then what does this pure faith look like? He says in, in, in verse seven, he says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So a pure faith results in praise, glory, and honor of Jesus Christ. So if that's what your faith looks like during trials, then you have a pure faith. Um, if not, well, then God may be bringing you through trials in order to produce praise, glory, and honor from them. And I suspect that we may, we, we all may need to have our faith refined. Right? This is meant to strengthen you, not to break you. Um, but the only way that we can get through these trials is by the power of God's spirit living inside of us. When uh, I know when I think of trials, I often think of a, a man in the Bible named Job. Um, in the book of Job, Job, he basically loses everything that he has. He loses his land, his property, um, his children. He becomes very ill. And by the end of it, what we see is his wife is just... He, she's just had enough, right? In chapter two of, of Job, after he's lost nearly everything that he has, his wife, he turns, uh, she turns to him and, and she says, she says, Job, curse God and die. In, in other words, like the temptation that Job faced in his trials was to do the opposite of God's will. It was to use his words to curse God instead of bless him. And it was to give up hope and faith in God and rather find worth in the things that he had or rather what was had been taken away from him. Um, but what it says, when we look at Job's response in, in, uh, in chapter uh, 2, I believe it says, In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. How, how difficult it is to, to praise God in our trials. And yet Peter shows us today that we can do so because our hope isn't in the things of this world there in heaven. And so we see that exiled believers are born to a living hope and an inheritance. We, we see that we can rejoice in our trials. And finally, we see that we have faith in the unseen. Uh, sometimes we lose hope because all we see around us looks bad. Right, when, but when writing to exiles, Peter knows that his audience here has been taken away from their homes. They're living in a foreign land. Many have been persecuted for their faith or have been ostracized by their peers. And, and in one way or another, they have felt as though they are not at home. And when this world is failing them, Peter calls them to have faith in the unseen. He says, though you have not seen him, him being Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is what faith is, right? It is trusting the promises of God when it doesn't seem that he will come through. When things are bad, believing in Jesus, because we all can do it when it's easy, right? It makes no difference if we can trust when it's, when it's easy, because everyone can do that, right? But the, the life of a Christian is trusting God when it doesn't make sense. Loving Jesus when we can't see him, believing in him and rejoicing when we don't know what he'll do or how things will turn out. As Christians exiled away from the home where we long to be in heaven, so though we face trials, we rejoice because our hope is in heaven. Um, and in all of this, 
What I want us to see is what we are called to do is nothing less than what Jesus did. The, the call to live as exiles is the call to live like Jesus. Right? Jesus left his home in heaven to come to us. He came to earth and he lived under earthly rule, rulers who persecuted him in many ways. And then in, in many different ways, his home here was an exile from his heavenly home. Right? Jesus was born under the reign of Herod, who tried to kill him when he was only two years old. And his parents were forced to flee, and they lived in exile in Egypt. Uh, they eventually do return, but throughout his life, Jesus was alienated by the very, his, the, his very own people to the point where they wanted him dead. And so he lived both in actual exile and the metaphorical exile of being rejected and not belonging. And yet in all that he did, he was faithful to God the Father. He did all things obedient to the Father with the living hope of the inheritance that was awaiting him in heaven. And he died on the cross for our sins, and God raised him to life so that those who believe in him would have that living hope. Right? A hope that they would be raised from the dead one day with him, and they would be given a new home. Not an earthly home, not one that's broken and flawed, but a heavenly home uh, where our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. This Jesus did for you so that you could have a home in heaven with him. And so when we put our faith in him, it looks like living like him, temporarily exiled on this earth, but living for our future new home, hoping for eternity with God. Uh, we're going to pray, and uh, then we're going to do some breakout uh, rooms, and we will continue with worship. Um, God, we thank you for all that you have done on our behalf. We thank you that we can look to you to see how we can live exiled lives here on earth. Um, we just pray right now specifically for um, the, the, the different exiles that we might be living through, whether it's through uh, COVID or, or through uh, feeling ostracized or alienated in, in whatever way we feel like this place is not our home. God, we ask that you um, would show us the hope that we have in eternity with you. Um, thank you that you will raise us from the dead as you did with Jesus. And as we put our hope in you alone, we thank you that we can be living towards that inheritance that is promised to us one day in heaven. Help us to just continuously be reminded of your love for us um, and help us to just be able to rejoice in these trials, refine our faith, and uh, continue just to, to make us into the image of your son, Jesus. We love you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.